0: Hello and welcome again to the Silicon Sasquatch Podcast. I'm your moderator for today, Spencer Tordoff. Joining me, we have Nick Cummings. Howdy. And Aaron Thayer. Hi, everybody. And we uh, convened today to talk about a pretty recent development in, uh, well, in the gaming media and the indie gaming scene. Would one of you like to summarize? Aaron, I'm passing the buck to
1: you. Okay. I am picking up that buck, and I am going with it so what happened over this last weekend essentially the news broke um, saturday phil fish who you guys may know is the creator of fez uh, one of a two-man team from polytron the other person involved with this is jonathan blow who also made braid and is making the witness currently which is coming out playstation 4 etc. So uh, both pretty big indie game developers. They were also involved in Indie Game the Movie, which came out last year, I believe, and um, was a pretty cool documentary about this scene. So these two have been involved in that uh, part of the industry for a long time. And uh, this kind of all started when apparently Game Informer had pre-broke some coverage of Microsoft's change of how they're allowing indies now, independent developers, to self-publish on the Xbox One. So that's a pretty big deal. Um, After that happened, Microsoft came out and officially announced the news. And as you would expect outlets to do, they decided to go ahead and get some sound bites, some quotes, some information from big independent developers about this, since it seemed to be that the Xbox One was lukewarm to these developers during the press conferences they had uh, prior to E3 and at E3. So that happens. Apparently, John Blow and Phil Fish didn't want to talk about that. The implication from some outlets after this all blew up was that they seemed to be very um, dismissive of commenting for whatever reason. That got out, and there is a journalist. um, His name is Marcus Beer. Now, according to his information he's been in the industry for 20 years he'd worked on pr Uh, he's been involved and he's currently doing a couple of podcasts podcasts whatever you want to call them video blogs at gametrailers.com one of which just came out a couple days after this independent xbox one news broke and essentially it starts off on that podcast within the first minute of him calling out blow and fish calling them blowfish which, you know, hilarious enough, I guess, as being uh, basically assholes and tossers for not contributing to the media coverage of this Xbox One event. He just pretty much went right for the throat on that. And after that happened, uh, which we'll get into some more, Phil Fish and him had a spat over Twitter, which is not uncommon to this industry at times, and then Phil Fish cancels Fez 2, which just got announced in the last couple months, um, or I believe at E3, and is quitting game development, he said. And that's where it's been left at so far.
0: I don't know about an overreaction, but that is a hell of a reaction to have. Really, to just kind of a
1: spat. for Fish can, uh, kind of backing out and quitting the life that he'd built for himself. Is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah, yeah. And I feel like a part of that was certainly the fault of Mr. Beer. But there's been a a whole lot of bile that have been seen flying around, too, from just commenters on the internet, calling names and calling their work shit and blah, 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 which obviously didn't help. So, I don't know. I mean, just, just looking at the story as it is now, I pretty well find myself sympathetic to Fish. I know he's a divisive figure, but to have the hate machine turned in your direction...
1: I don't know that I'd react differently. So for those who may not be aware, why is Phil Fish so divisive? And perhaps, according to Marcus, deserving of this sort of whiplashing.
2: I can think of a few examples. Phil Fish is probably the most divisive person to have appeared in any uh, documentary about independent game development. Uh, So he was one of the, the four developers featured in Indie Game, the movie. And he was also portrayed perhaps rightfully so, perhaps not, as one of the most unhinged, in my own words. (laughs) Um, He spouted a lot of vitriol about his former business partner uh, who had left Polytron, um, or split with him, I I guess, rather, uh, during the development of Fez, uh, leaving him in a sort of legal state of limbo with the game. Uh, In addition to that, Fish has made some pretty outlandish statements through Twitter in particular, and even at like game development, conferences, for example, telling uh, Japan and Japanese developers that their games are effectively
0: shit. Which I I would like just to jump in that uh, I've heard multiple reports on that, and it could be construed from certain people reporting it that it was a dead moment. Like, somebody asked, what do you have to say to Japanese developers? Nobody on the panel responded, and he just kind of jumped in, meaning it jokingly with Japanese games are shit.
2: Yeah, it didn't sound like he was like trying to wage a campaign against Japanese game development to make them see the error of their ways or anything. It sounded like it was just an off the cuff remark. And I've, you know, honestly, 2 years ago I may have said something similar Re- until recently I hadn't really played many Japanese games. Anyway, not trying to defend fish here, but I think that that would make sense.
1: Clearly some kind of drama has been built around his character, right?
0: Yeah. Very much so.
2: I mean, it's he's been reported on quite a bit in most game blogs like Kotaku, Destructoid, joystick many many outlets have covered him especially for the things he says and you know what as any quote-unquote student of the media will tell you an eye-catching soundbite or quip or quote uh tends to get a lot of click through so you know when you have a kind of polarizing character like phil fish to work with i'm not saying that that would lead people to write about him more but i am saying that those kind of quotes probably jump out a lot more than the more for example. Uh, measured, reasonable tone that you would typically see from, for example, jo-
1: uh, Jonathan Blow. So he's essentially the honey to the the pooh bear of games journalists. Is that the metaphor that you're using?
0: It's it's more because he's controversial. That's why he's uh, attractive to them. I mean, maybe I'm being thrown off by honey being sweet, but <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, he's somebody that people love to hate or love to love or hate to hate. I mean, I actually was uh, was going through. Uh, And showing somebody uh, Fez on the Steam store. And one of my uh, friends on Steam posted a recommendation for the game. Where he starts off saying that he's already said things about Phil Fish. He doesn't like him. You know, here's some reasons I don't like him. But this is an amazing game. I mean, clearly this has been building for quite a while. People are torn between his work and his personality. So it's clearly gotten a lot of attention, be it from individual
1: people or from the media. So do we think that uh, for those who maybe don't care to read into what happened with beer? So with this whole shouting match that happened, do we think that because people seem to have this general consensus that Phil Fish is a bad dude or an asshole, whatever they want to say, do you think that that justifies the fact that this Marcus Beer guy, which, you know, he has a show called Annoyed Gamer. His Twitter handle is at Annoyed Gamer. His bio basically says he's angry, and, you know, that's his media portrayal. So for him to basically come out, and um, this is one of the quotes from that podcast, Invisible Walls, um, the episode that this all started, is that speaking about Fish and Blow... You can't have it both ways, meaning you can't not give quotes to the media. He calls it a symbiotic relationship between developers and the the press. You can't have it both ways. You're successful game designers, successful indie game designers. Hurrah, you fucking hipsters. Like, that's his quote. Do we think that Phil Fish deserves that, or is this endemic of just games journalism or journalism in general? I mean, what? why would you even do that?
2: Well, nobody deserves to be attacked by somebody who isn't, you know, intimately acquainted with them. It's punditry at its worst, I think. So we're, we're all, for the most part, following games. I, I would assume the kind of people who would follow a podcast about games like that with a specific bent, regardless of their interest in the perspective, the tone, the humor, whatever it may be, the kind of people who would follow Invisible Walls, they still care about games. Even if they like to take a more aggressive stance or to call people out or even to you know, maybe be aggressive about it, whether or not that's justified mm-hmm. they're still there because they like games and they care about the success of this industry and they care about things getting better and they care about preserving what they like about it and it's it's flat out like a character criticism and so i i can understand where i, I can try to at least understand where beer is coming from with this perspective that his handle, like he says annoyed gamer he is basically acting under a persona of being pissed off about things in the games industry fine Ron Gilbert's been doing that for a long time under the name Grumpy Gamer. <laughs> uh, the difference, I think, is that Ron has never, in my recollection, called out a person and called them a fucking hipster or you know whatever he would call somebody. Basically, mm-hmm. it's just very frustrating to see that that kind of voice has such a strong resonance in terms of supporters. That that people who care about games and are you know ostensibly want to support the industry. Would follow somebody who basically just talks shit about people who, divisive or not, work really hard to make the games they really care about. Say what you will about Phil Fish. I know everybody begins every sentence with that, but like, Fez speaks for itself. You can you know you can deride it as a hipster game. You can deride it as a pointless game where you can't die and nothing matters. But I, his work speaks for itself. That game was to me one of the most unique experiences I've had in gaming, and I. I have very rarely found myself as engaged with any game as I did after I beat it and started to figure out the subtext of it and the puzzles that were there beyond it. It was, uh, maybe I'm getting a little far afield here. I guess I'll, I'll, I'll end this thought with one last corollary, which is uh, about two years ago we had a podcast uh, discussing Shadow Complex, a game that was developed by Chair and uh, based on a universe that was uh, created by Orson Scott Card, the writer of Ender's Game, and uh, a staunch uh, anti-gay rights advocate. Basically, in, in my own perspective, a bigot and a hate monger. That's my politics, but like, whatever. I think that, you know, that's that's t- typically how people have interpreted Orson Scott Card's views on homosexuality. He sees no place for it, etc. So we had this discussion about, is it okay for us to buy a shadow complex knowing that some of that money will go to fund him? And that he'll collect, presumably, you know, some money from licensing out his universe.
0: So I can't remember the conclusion we came to. <laughs> Does anyone remember? <laughs> I don't think I was on that podcast, but I find myself grappling uh, with this very question quite a bit. You know, how willing are you to separate a person from their work? It's a difficult question to answer, really, no matter who you are. Like, I don't know that anybody would call uh, Steve Jobs a philanthropist or a nice guy, <laughs> but... Again, his work speaks for itself. I mean, if solely on the success of it. And I think a lot of people either either they don't know who he is or they are willing to make that judgment call. And so it's kind of interesting to see gaming kind of come to the same thing where, I mean, is this person's work worthy of just kind of looking the other way on their personality? And there's a lot of people saying, well, in Fish's case, yes, but it seems like the interpretation of beer and others is that, no,
1: we should be able to attack that. And I don't know how I feel about that. I think that there's always going to be that problem. Yeah, there's there's always going to be the problem with trying to separate creators from their works. And like we had in that podcast discussion that Nick mentioned, if I remember what kind of some of the conclusion to, or at least how I felt and still kind of feel, is you either accept that work as is, And try to separate it, or you basically come to the terms that if you don't agree with somebody's politics or uh, personality, then just don't buy their work. And that's something that people say all the time, of maybe not boycott, um, because that's more of an organized thing, but it's kind of this mentality. And I think what I see in the gaming industry is there's this embroiled sarcasm, and I guess you could call it a lack of maturity, but. Not even that, just this this idea that these creators, perhaps beginning with people like Shigeru Miyamoto and even you know Steve Jobs and those before them and Bill Gates, this whole idolizing of these developers and creators, of the, the magic that they do or the things that they create, that somehow gives us the familiarity with them to then criticize them. And especially now with stuff like Twitter and how a lot of communication, though social media is great how it spreads so rapidly is it gives more people a voice to be just total douchebags about everything and it bothers me for two reasons that nick is right the the creator and the work they speak for themselves separately you can think phil fish is an asshole all you want because of the stuff he says and whether or not that's true that's again a personal opinion Fez is still a game that you can enjoy or not if you don't like the game. It doesn't have to be a personal vendetta, but we know that's always going to happen. If not in gaming, then in music, on celebrity blogs, even I'm sure book critics are assholes to some writers at time to time. Like I'm sure somebody has written um, on some blog or on some podcast, recorded something about how John Grisham's novels are shit, like, and just called the guy out personally. It's going to happen. But what bothers me also is, I I guess, a lot of the defense of this beer guy, not everybody, but the defense that what he did was okay, and even calling out stuff like how media coverage is symbiotic, that Phil Fish and John Blow should be grateful, as he said. These guys should be grateful that anybody considers what you say still something of use, and that media and these developer personalities are so intertwined it's true but isn't this going back to not to diverge somewhere but going back to the whole Gersman thing where he was influenced by advertising and pr to uh fix the score in a game or change his score isn't this guy like advocating trying to influence the fact that these media people because they'll have to shill as he said their games in a couple years or months whenever they release something that it's okay to just call the guy an asshole because they need you like, how, how perverse is that whole description of the industry? Is that where we're at, or is it just this one example? Well, I see this kind of thing happen a lot, but there's one thing I wanted to mention,
2: um, which is that the language you just quoted him on pretty plainly to me sounds like traditional bullying in the sense that he's implying that Fish and Blow are, should be grateful for the attention they get from the superiors, the people who give them the success in the eyes of beer, which would be um, the media and the people who distribute their stories and share the news about the things they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, by creating that sort of power dynamic in the way that things are discussed, it's clear from that language that Beer is stating that people like him have the power in this situation. And if they want any hope of success, they have to play by their rules, by the media's rules, by Beer's rules, and not by their own. So in essence, I think it's just purely disrespectful language, and that's,
0: that seems pretty clear-cut to me from my standpoint there will always be the hate machine in some form or another and i wish we could stop that and that refers more to the conversation in general where things got bad enough for fish that he just protected his twitter account and disconnected after that type of goat and pony show i wouldn't want to be online either but you're absolutely right about this about this power dynamic it's like oh but we made you speaking in that that sort of way and Over what, exactly? Over getting a quote on a news article. They want a quote about indie development, about the Xbox One. I mean, if if I were to react to that, go fuck yourself. (laughs) Like, you're just looking for some space, you know, to talk about this new thing. There are many indie devs that would be more than happy. And, you know, I don't know that Fish or Blow intended to position themselves as figureheads or whatever. And I know that, you know, that's the big get. If you could get a quote from them for your article. But it's not like you're totally hosed without that quote. That's big news anyway. This this policy reversal. So yeah, it, it just seems so
1: entitled to me. Exactly. That's actually what I wanted to say. And I I guess I'm seeing through my own lens of getting older and reviewing the media and paying more attention to how things are going, is there's a great aspect of of the gaming industry changing on the horizon where we have more player agency or whatever words you want to use and buzzwords from developers but just also this interaction that players have the more they can do they can kickstart and crowdfund games they can have a hand in the development just not like beta testing that used to be the only thing but also along with that i think is coming this sort of Idea of entitled behavior that is manifesting itself in the press, in this example specifically, and stuff with the Xbox One and the policy change. And not to bring that up, but that's still, I'm feeling like I'm seeing more and more stories about how all this stuff is okay because, you know, we're right, we know best. And the passion that we as gamers have is somewhat getting twisted. And this just bothers me because I would think if I was a creator, I know as a person, I don't necessarily have the thickest skin. And if I wanted to create something because I felt passionate about that, then I would have to leverage that with the fact that, you know, someone's going to hate it. Someone's always going to hate what you do. Not everybody's going to love it. We know that as adults. But also, maybe Fish is right. Why should anybody put up with that attitude in the industry? Even though he provoked a lot of it, I still find it amazing how this beer person can be encouraged, essentially.
2: I guess one final question I want to pose to you guys is... So this incident came and went. It happened. They each reacted in their own ways. But this isn't the first time that there's been this sort of name-calling and reputation tarnishing in the games industry between writers and developers and everybody in between. It certainly won't be the last. What are your thoughts on where this sort of behavior is coming from, how prevalent it is, how big of a problem you think it'll be, uh, anything on that note?
0: Well, in terms of individual reactions, you know, one person talking to another for comment, I don't feel like it's an overarching problem uh, in the terms of the game industry. I don't think that that's something that happens a whole lot. I mean, this is coming from somebody whose handle is Annoyed Gamer, which... Is so fucking cliche. I can't even think straight about it.
2: Yeah, that says it right there. Like, oh, you've got a chip on your shoulder, and you identify as a gamer. Get in line.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's like, why don't you, you know, put on a fedora and champion atheism while you're at it?
1: How's that trench coat? <laughs> wow. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I, I I feel like this is a mostly isolated incident. However, the subsequent backlash by the gaming community as a whole. I'm sorry, you guys, but speaking to you guys being all of the gaming community, how were you raised that you think being total fuckheads to everyone all the time is okay? Like, why is that the default reaction of this community? We, we were wondering uh, earlier off tape if game journalism has a maturity problem. And, you know, to some extent it does, but the gaming community is really awful. Maybe that's just compounded by the fact that it's online, or, you know, there's a lot of assholes on the internet, but there's so many of us on the internet that, that, yeah, things get out of hand really quickly. I mean, I, I don't think we have an amazing listenership or anything, but anybody, you know, who likes to bully or harass people online should maybe take a step back and just reevaluate. Like, would you like somebody to just come up to you on the street and do that to you? The things you say to people online, would you say them to somebody to their face? So. I mean, that's, that's kind of something I've been pondering this entire time through this whole incident and with several previous incidents. Cause, cause yes, there's a, there's a question about journalism there, but I feel like that's open and shut, but there's a question of our community's reaction to things that
1: just bothers me.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I, I would agree with everything you said. I think what I can add is, and I'll, say this with a caveat that I'm not really involved in the gaming community when I think about it. I mean, I have you guys as far as our staff, and I have the people that enjoy what we do, which is slowly growing, which is awesome, and that's amazing, because I do feel that we avoid a lot of this bullshit, I guess is the best word I can give uh, right now, that perhaps larger outlets seek, or the fact that this um, podcast for Marcus Beer airing his grievances has the most views that uh, Invisible Wall series has ever had. It's like 100,000 over where they've, they've had before. So clearly, it's a good thing to, to turn some pages, to turn some heads, whatever metaphor you want to use. But because I'm not involved with the gaming community as far as I, I don't post on forums, I don't have a forum group, I don't really chat with anyone but the Sasquatch staff and a few friends outside of that I'm kind of I guess insulated as far as um who I talk to who are gamers more people game of course I'm not ignorant of that but I just seem to hear about the gaming community quote unquote when stuff like this happens so I do have perhaps a more negative Idea of who these people are, but clearly lots of people game someone who plays games on their iPhone games, so a gamer can be many different people. But more of what this story brings to me is a concern, and I think it stems from, as I mentioned before, um, the personality issue that the gaming industry has a cult of personality. And I think that today we're seeing the end result of that because we used to idolize. Miyamoto and Yu Suzuki and just even Peter Molyneux for a long time. These people become these figureheads, maybe even billboards for some idea of gaming, some perfection, and that has carried over now into our media. And when you look at a lot of the big successful blogs, even Giant Bomb, which we love, you know they are media personalities. They are kind of distinct individuals, and they play up That on the the funny, which are lighthearted, and they're not intentionally um, being for their ego, but stuff like the opening for the, the last season, as they would call it, where it was a Night Court parody and stuff like that. But they're not the only one, and I feel like there's this constant search to make media people... Into those same idols and luminaries and just develop this cult around them like we have for all these developers since gaming essentially began and that's what concerns me the most is there are definitely people in this industry i admire but i think that we feed into it by pretending that we're all celebrities in some form and giving the power to the the player and giving them all this new control over how gaming and video games are developed, is a great thing, but it can also lead down a path like this, that, yes, this is an isolated incident, I don't think this is how everything will happen going forward, but that's my concern, that's the concern that is raised, It is that all of this just disgustingness that happens is going to be because we empower people like Beer to have his opinion, which he's entitled to, but we then encourage it by going and throwing Sand in the eyes of Phil Fish when he's down, and he's clearly a sensitive person in his own way, which I probably would be too. So that just is the kind of schoolyard crap that I see happening, and that's what concerns me going forward. And I'm glad we're not a part of that, but you know, I just have to live with the fact it's going to happen. I guess all I have to
2: add to that is we could speculate endlessly about what causes this sort of repeated behavior among people who identify as gamers. Uh, I'm glad that we haven't, and I won't go into my own theories. Um, But I guess ultimately one thought I want to end on is uh, today is, that we're recording this, is July 29th, which just happens to be Will Wheaton's birthday, which uh, I'm mentioning this because he declared today to be uh, Don't Be a Dick Day. And I think that that's probably a good lesson to take home, which is that no matter what the internet does to make us feel empowered or protected, Or safe in our uh, beliefs and our, in some cases, anger and vitriol, you're still being an asshole, even if you're doing it anonymously or through Twitter or something. And, you know, I I don't know what, what the deal is if gamers are just, or people who call themselves gamers anyway, are just less used to behaving well or treating people, you know, with kindness or assuming that people they haven't met have good intentions. Spencer asked, how the hell were you raised? I have to ask the same question. But at the same time, like, I catch myself making snarky comments about people I don't know. Like, I have opinions about Phil Fish, and how fucked up is that? I've never met the guy. I hope to someday. I think Fez is amazing. And I don't think that he's been treated fairly personally. But at the same time, I don't know the guy. And I never will, probably. And that's okay. But there's no story in attacking a person's character or saying, oh, look at this guy. I have a major freakout on the internet. It's just the... it's, It's a... Celebrity sort of um, ostracization, which is not a word. And I'm so sorry, but look at the Britney Spears debacle from 2007, where she had her meltdown and shaved her head. Or look at um, what's going on with what is it, Abigail Breslin?
1: No. Yeah. Or yeah? um, one of those uh, like Amanda Bynes. Amanda Bynes. One? I don't know. Are they no. all
2: having freakouts right now? It There's feels like they are. There's a lot of people having freakouts. Anyway, it's weird that we care about this stuff, but I think all through history we tend to ostracize and scoff celebrities. We want to feel like we're better than them. And that's why we do that. And I think that as gamers we tend to look at to these designers like um like you guys were mentioning as these sort of like elevated figures, these um these creators, these people who have a vision and wield a great amount of influence over a medium that people care a lot about. And I think when people start to look to those figureheads as these sort of elevated celebrities, that's what causes this sort of suspicion and this joy in um, calling them out when they take a misstep. And I think that that's just something that this industry needs to get over. I think that maybe it's part of human nature to have that view. I mean, people have criticized politicians all through history for the same reason. So maybe it's just something you got to deal with. But I mean, my advice to anybody who's watching this and is reacting and going, holy shit, look how fucked up all these people are, is to just take a step back and Ask yourself if this is really worth your time. I play games because I like games, and I think that they do are capable of doing amazing things. And when I see a developer who's capable of producing those things, I want to see them supported, and I want to see them producing. And that's about all I care
1: about. Amen, brother.
0: Probs on being real, yo.
1: <laughs> our Our most hardcore followers will only understand <laughs> that reference, meaning us. Yeah. Yeah, Nick wraps it up pretty well, and I just want to add briefly that maybe there's some hypocrisy in us doing a podcast about this when we're talking about this whole issue. But like he said, there is no story in Phil Fish. That's not what we're talking about, what we care about. We're talking about the fact that this became a story and how insane that is and how disappointing that is. But I do believe in Nick's optimistic message. And I hope that we can get there and that we'll be a part of that, that we will encourage better discourse through our website. And even though we likely will never make a large enough impact for it to matter, that's fine because, you know, sometimes you do just have to tune it out and listen to the source that you want to or be the voice of reason. So as long as we keep doing that and you guys support us, then that's all we care about, really. Please tell your friends about this site. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> save also buy the t-shirt on SiliconSasquatch.com. there is no t-shirt we don't have a t-shirt yet but we are going to pax next month
2: <laughs> yeah we're going to pax come meet us if for some reason you're a stranger listening to this so we don't know in person a that's a little creepy but b that's really cool so reach out let us know if you're going to be there and uh, we will shake your hand
1: Look for the three tall, muscular, uh, strapping, bespectacled gentlemen, and then next to them will be us. We (laughs) hired some muscle this time around. (laughs) Yeah, We we hired the big muscly guys so that people would notice us. Probably wearing Vans, I don't know, maybe Chuck Taylors.
2: I'm actually wearing really boring shoes these days because they're super comfortable. I've reached that age where it's like, I just don't care. I want to be able to stand on my feet and not complain. I'm officially old.
0: I don't understand how people wear Chuck Taylors. They're horribly uncomfortable.
1: They really do suck. The the compromise I'll make for style and comfort are Chuckas, which if you don't know what those are, look those up, kids. They're pretty cool. Don't say we never gave you anything. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well,
0: on behalf of everyone here, myself, that's Spencer Tordoff, uh, Nick Cummings, and Aaron Thayer, thank you for listening, <laughs> and we
1: hope you tune in again. Thank you. Thanks.
0: The Silicon Sasquatch Podcast is a production of siliconsasquatch.com. Our participants for this podcast were Nick Cummings, Aaron Thayer, and Spencer Tordoff, and the remainder of our editorial staff is Doug Bonham and Tyler Martin. If you'd like to see any of our other work or listen to our other podcast, Memory Card, the address is siliconsasquatch.com. Stay tuned in the coming weeks for a new episode of Memory Card and... Coverage from the Penny Arcade Expo in Seattle.